0: Just go to ramp.com slash easy, ramp.com slash easy, R-A-M-P.com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC, terms and conditions apply.
1: Reveille, reveille, dogs. Look at us now, tip to tip.
0: This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show.
1: I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat.
0: levity levity donks it is friday november 20th 2020 yes it's time for morning combat i am one half of your three times a week live mk hosting duo it's the bbc brian campbell cbs sports from the left coast with love this week fresh off of thursday night's ring city usa debut on NBC sports network Shout out to me. Thank you very much. Uh, I want to introduce, though, my co-host. Uh, he's a big surly bear. We love this man. He's been doing great work on CBS Sports HQ. If you have not been watching it, uh, he'll lift weights in his front yard. He loves the homeless. It's Luke Thomas. Luke, fired up. Orange background. Uh-oh. Fridays. BC, no pants. can
1: hear you. You've gone easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone is in me. I cannot hear Brian. Uh, I do not... okay. we lost you in yeah. zoom BC. Hold on BC. They're going to work on you. Yes, we everyone. Live? My name is Luke Thomas All We're right. gonna get Luke? situated. He is in a hotel room in, uh, California. Uh, yes, he did. If you guys didn't see last night, he was, uh, hosting, not hosting. I think he was doing like ringside reporting for ring city USA. I think is the show. I DVR'd it and he had gloves on and looked like OJ Simpson. You know, in the uh, t- the trial, only Christopher Darden would have been happy because those gloves fit quite well. So here on Morning Combat, BC will be hosting today if we can get this worked out. But what we're going to get to today, let's see, McGregor versus Poirier. We're going to get to um, UFC 255 preview, Bellator preview. All right, you, did you guys get him back or what? Uh, okay, he's going to get back in. Uh, in the meantime... While we do this, oh, we'll do, oh, by the way, we'll have a Bellator 253 pre-review, uh, sorry. Uh, give the video a thumbs up, hit that subscribe button, apologies for the issues. Brian is in his hotel room in uh, L.A., and we're trying to make this remote setup work. We're going to see if we can figure this out. I see him on the Zoom. He's, oh he's yeah, like, Brian, you got you to gotta put your pants on. Now I can hear you again, Brian. Yeah, there well, you know. Hi, Brian.
0: Luke, you know hotel Wi-Fi, right? You know, you ever been in this section of Hollywood, Luke? There was actually outside my hotel window all week an abandoned car with the windows blown in and spray paint all over it, but uh, uh, we're back, Luke. We're back for as long as this lasts. Morning Combat well, does have that McDonald's Wi-Fi, so we're back I, at I
1: will it. tell you, BC, my favorite line from Stripes when Bill Murray and uh, the other dog, I forget his name, it's not Harold Ramos, it's the other one, they park in front of the fire hydrant and the guy comes out from the shop and is like, you can't park that here. He's like, oh, no, sir, we're not parking this car. We're abandoning it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Which maybe be you and I with this show one day, Luke. We'll see what happens with that. If I yank on any of these cords, the operation comes down. Hey, Luke, did you talk about the dock yet? There's a whole controversy about this dock. And it wasn't Pat Jones' fault. I not, sir. Why don't,
1: why don't you tell them what we know?
0: All right. We do know that the morning combat... Documentary, uh, the return to studio was supposed to uh, go live yesterday looks like it's gonna get pushed uh, to, to Tuesday of next week not our call nothing too serious to be worried about But uh, we'll get all that shit cleaned up and we'll show you our innards Okay, more or less really we'll show you our soul We'll pour it out on in front of a camera and threaten our future livelihoods for your entertainment. Thank you. It's still coming
1: And also, my live chat got dicked up because of Comcast, but I think we're fine today. I believe that will take place at 4 p.m. today, so be on the lookout for that.
0: Wow, I didn't know about that technical difficulty. Luke, that's so not like you to have something get in your way.
1: Hey, listen, I I, I don't mind getting beaten with the stick when I deserve it, which is 99% of the time, but it ain't my fault if Comcast is doing repairs in the neighborhood. I (laughs) I can't be in charge of that.
0: Hey, uh, if you like MK bonus content, how about Luke's video with uh, Sugar Rashad Evans? Expert picks UFC 255. Luke, look like a little bit of a a bromancing the stone going on right there.
1: A little bit, except we didn't make actually any picks. We just talked about the odds and previewed the fights. Like two adults, BC, it was great.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was great, it was great. Why why make picks when it's your job? It's not a big deal. All right, uh, buy our damn merch at store.show.com, uh, you know, try 30 days of Showtime. Really, go to Showtime.com. It's going to be the best 30 days of your life. No no pounding of anything needed. What you're going to get is fights, docs, movies, all that good stuff. A little bit more of uh, BC and Luke if they can find that old Strikeforce series we used to do. Uh, store.show.com, of course, to outfit your abuela in the finest MK... Uh, threads ahead of the holidays whatever holiday you celebrate and by the way Luke Thanksgiving is the best holiday we're a week away from that week away from Mike Tyson and Roy Jones whatever that is going to be but this weekend is UFC 255 we got a lot to look forward to a little bit to look back on from Bellator and all that Luke am I missing anything before we start the meat of this damn show
1: I think you've got it covered good sir
0: all right Fridays is BC no rules as the host and we start off our first topic in the news cycle it is official luke i know we've teased the bag a bit but here comes the mess conor mcgregor dustin poirier two is in the ink has been uh dried from connor's side ufc 257 january 23rd which is just really the crown jewel of what is looking to be an insane first three months for ufc from a pay-per-view standpoint uh, no location as of yet. It's going to depend on COVID, of course. But what we do know at this point, Luke, is Dana White's gone on the record and said, will not be for any kind of title. He still expects Habib to return. Uh, now that it's here, what do you got? What do you got for me?
1: Well, there's a, two, two things that stand out. to me. We've talked about the value of the fight and how much we're looking forward to it. I don't have much to to add in terms of that because nothing has changed in that particular way. But there's two other pieces of the story that deserve to be mentioned. One, Habib Nurmagomedov did an interview with some uh, you know, task agency, I think some Russian media outlet, and he well, doubled a, down.
0: Look, he was addressing a group of young people at uh, Pekinov Russian University of Economics, and RT Sport relayed the translation for us.
1: Okay, and so whatever the case, in this interview, or in, in these comments anyway, he pretty much closed the door on competition. They're not... I mean, he didn't say never again, but he said things like I've completed my journey more. I'm paraphrasing. Um, I got the quote here.
0: If you want me, Luke, if you want me to, I I got the quote. He says, you can fight until you're 40, but there should be a goal. I had a goal to reach the summit and I got there further. I have no competitive interest next year. I'll graduate. I'd like to build my own thesis, do a master's course, dedicate more time to studying. I've bought sheep. I tend to my farm. I'd like to develop this field a little. Blah blah blah. He was talking to students, in some capacity, about farming and and controlling your own destiny and and all that. But here's the interesting part, Luke. The key. Hold on, quote, I didn't get
1: to. I didn't get to make my point.
0: Well, I, I want to. I... There's more to this. Look, there's more to this, brother. MMA Junkie oh. tweets out. Tweets out. Okay, here's a tweet from MMA Junkie about this interview. Au contraire, Habib has no competitive interest despite Dana's claim of a UFC return. Uh, manager of the Stars, Ali Abdelaziz, came back with fake news, Luke. How do you sort this whole thing out?
1: I don't know. I mean, I, again, here's what I'm going to say. I'm not going to close the door on Habib for the reasons that we already know, which is maybe he actually does want to complete excuse me, his academic studies Maybe he actually does have his eye on, you know, agriculture, farming, some kind of life after fighting, whatever that may be, but that there is some kind of remote possibility at the same time, he could still be talked into something bigger in the end, right? So you're sort of threading a bit of a needle there. Okay, but still, it's November now, it'll be two months from now, what is it, the 20th? Yeah, so it'll be basically two months from today where we're going to be getting this fight. I feel like in two months, we'll have greater clarity about that. I mean, two months... He's going to sit here and say that I'm done, and then they're just still going to have non-title for this fight. I I tend to think this will actually be some kind of interim belt or maybe for that belt outright. I'm not as convinced as everybody else that I I can be persuaded that a comeback for Nurmagomedov is possible. I, I don't feel like that is likely, and I don't feel like that's likely very soon, and so that puts the UFC in a position to make some choices about how to label this fight with McGregor. That's the first thing I'd say. The second thing i'd say that i found kind of interesting about it is while they don't have a firm location uh or any announced location for ufc 257 on january 23rd they are eyeing uh, abu dhabi for it and more to the point they kind of want to blow it up to the point where dana has said they want fans there in fact they want to make it a whole week a saturday wednesday saturday three fight cards in seven or eight days and that would be interesting to see, right? Because you can manage all of the COVID protocol when it's when it's a fairly limited number of people, right? Because the restrictions are pretty onerous. You got to get there and you have to stay in your hotel room. You got to get tested before you go. You got to get tested two more times. And blah. I mean, we all know the story. How do you do that with thousands of people? Or maybe he's talking about hundreds? I don't really know. So it'll be interesting to see if, in fact, they do put it in Fight Island and they do bring in fans, which they want to do for the Connor experience, How many are we talking about? What does it look like? That's a massive undertaking, at least potentially. But the NBA, if you think about it, they didn't have fans, but they had hundreds, if not thousands, of people inside their bubble. It must be doable on some level, right?
0: Yeah, it it must be. Look, I I have to believe with a lot of these big fights getting pushed – around the corner of the new year that Dana is really hoping that that uh, we can get back, whether that's, uh, you know, Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas pumping in 15,000, 20,000 people. Uh, if you're going to use Connor, you want to take advantage of that live gate. It makes a lot of sense. I- I'm just still hung up on the Habib side of it. And it does relate, you know, a lot to this uh, Dustin uh, fight against Connor. because, look, Habib has not said publicly, I still want to fight. Not one time. in fact, we just went through the quotes talking to those students, quote, "I have no competitive interest. So I get that Dana is all about it a matter of fact. I get that even Ali is putting out fake news. But is that just hope, Luke? Because the guy who has the guy in the room with the most conviction is still not showing his hand, which leads me to believe January 23rd when we do get this insanely great rematch, Connor Dustin, with so much at stake. I'll be willing to put, you know, a, a toe, you know, one of my gallbladders or, or what kidney one of the kidneys on the line. I'll put my kidney up on the black market, Luke, and tell you that when Connor and Dustin touch gloves, there will be some form of a title at stake. How could there not be? Wouldn't Habib come out and be like, No, I was wrong about promising my mom and my late father I'm actually gonna fight once more. I'm not hearing that, Luke. I'm so it's really hard to believe at this point.
1: And honestly, like let's say Connor wins. I mean, you had this dramatic win for Nurmagomedov in his last fight. He wins by submission. He says he's retiring. He says he's not going to compete anymore and then his first fight back would be against the guy he despises, not merely as a competitor, but as a person, as a sportsman, as a representative of the community. I mean, that's the guy that's going to pull you out of retirement. I understand from our perspective it would make sense because the sales would be astronomical, and I don't think there's any doubt about that. Even if it was no audience, you could still sell two million buys for that maybe and then some. But, but Nurmagomedov seems to have very much closed the door. Like If he was going to do it, it would be against GSP. And again, I don't know what, where that stands. So I'm going to just reiterate, to me, I'm, I'm not going to say it's impossible that we uh, you know, see Nurmagomedov again. But I'm with you, BC. Forced to bet, gun to my head, whether it's an interim belt or the belt more generally, by January 23rd, is someone who gets their hand raised also going to get a belt wrapped around their waist in that UFC 257 main event? I'm going to argue that there will be. And I think, honestly, I'm not going to say it's the smart call. It seems just like the inevitable call. It just seems that that's the way the Seas are pushing the ships. And, look,
0: I I want to reiterate something we talked about every time this fight was teased. The best part about this fight is that it shows that Conor's serious again about doing things the right way, getting back into title contention and, and, and earning it. And I love what this fight represents. Luke, if he straight up loses to Dustin here, you know, he's out of the title picture for the moment. Obviously, you know, he, he's so popular, he's going to be back in it whenever he wants. But the whole idea of, like, we didn't know if he was going to go celebrity fighting route or for real, all killer, no filler. If he loses, there's probably reason to go back into celebrity fighter route. So there's a lot at stake here, certainly. And one, for Dustin. One last, because... point.
1: Let me ask, one last point. Let me ask you this, BC. Are, is the UFC, in your mind, worried that if they put a title up for grabs and if Connor won it, he would squat on it again and try and go fight Pacquiao, but not going back to a competitive MMA schedule again.
0: Yeah, I think they've got to be always worried about that. But uh, again, uh, we talked conspiracy theories. Is is part of Conor coming back in line here with a promise of a Pacquiao fight? Because they know he wants to get get it out of his system and make that money. Maybe they're going to be supportive of it. Maybe it's going to be part of the Zufa boxing plan. Hard to know. But one thing we probably won't talk about enough as this fight comes closer is the opportunity here for Dustin Poirier. It's like he had that perfect story of turning his career around, getting to the top, getting to the Habib fight. He's a great person. He's got the charity. He's all that. And then he lost. And he lost badly, Luke. If Habib's not going to fight again and if this is going to turn into a pseudo title fight, this could be Dustin's big moment, not the interim moment, the big moment. And that's certainly a guy who's deserving of it. And he had to go through hell against Dan Hooker to get back into this spot. So uh, no shortage of storylines, no shortage of stakes. This may end up being the biggest fight of 2021, Luke. And, and, and that's tough to say. That's a tough handicap to say because we already know we're getting big fights with potential for even bigger
1: ones. Yeah, exactly. We might get Jones Izzy, uh, Jones Stepe. Um, you know, God only knows it's probably going to be somebody who's going to become a champ champ. Maybe they do the yawn and Izzy fight. I mean, there's just a lot of different ways that can go, but you're right. Connor fighting. And especially if they put a belt up on the, uh, for grabs, that makes it an absolutely huge affair and fans, the whole fan thing to me, I'm not saying it can't be done. I just think it's a massive undertaking. And that's so why I'm curious to see how they get it, how they uh, figure it out.
0: Luke also in the news this week from the UFC, the legend, the former middleweight King Anderson Silva, fresh off the loss to Uriah Hall uh, he has done with the UFC. He's been released of his contract despite that one fight remaining on it. Um, you know, we've been up and down on legacy, on if he should still continue. But this means the door's open, Luke. So tell, uh, frame it like this. One year from now, between now and 12 months, will we get that press release that says Silva signs with the PFL, Silva's taking the money with Chatri, Silva's going to go to Bellator, Will we hear about a fight for him again in the next year?
1: Yes, you definitely will. But the question is, what will that look like? I said it on CBS Sports HQ, not that I have any inside information. I certainly do not. But that I thought, you know, how does Anderson Silva, if it was available to him or if there was a way for him behind the scenes to massage it or, I don't know, just make a public campaign for it, how do you not call out the winner of Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr.? That is happening. It's not that far from now. You know, if you're Anderson Silva and you're free and you can make a fight like that and people want to pay money to see it, which I suspect that they would, probably a lot of it. In fact, there's an argument to make that Mike Tyson versus Anderson Silva or Anderson Silva versus Roy Jones Jr. actually does better numbers than Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones. I mean, that's debatable. Whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa, Luke. Whoa. Hold on, hold
1: on. Come on. Listen, listen, listen. I don't know what kind of numbers Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. is going to do. My hunch is very, very good. Right? That's my five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred thousand, eight hundred thousand, maybe more. I don't know, but somewhere in that ballpark. Right? It's going to do really, really well. But there is still something that Anderson brings that neither of the other two can bring, which is super circusy crossover stuff that really okay. just gets people. Look,
0: he brings that in the MMA cage, though. I'm assuming you're talking about Silva fighting the winner of that in a. In an old guy boxing match, where
1: yes, where, yes. where
0: where is the, where's the magic going to be in that?
1: Well, it would depend on how the first one goes anyway. I mean, listen, Mike Tyson is a bigger star than all of them, especially right now. I mean, I think that's a pretty fair statement to make. So if you remove him from the equation, then it's going to be hard to make up that difference. I, I understand that. Plus, even if Mike wins and the fight or the match or whatever they, that him and Roy Jones are going to end up having, if it sucks, then <laughs> there may not be much appetite for any encore afterwards or BC, you know this is true. It could suck, but not suck so much that if you say, <laughs> Well, what if he fought Anderson, who was never a boxer, and you kinda are like, Well, you can make it or I mean there's a lot of ways, man. Where well, that could look, work. it's like it's like Kimbo Slicing
0: Ken Shamrock. It sucked, but it was kind of fun. It was kind of yeah. it was it was a fun ass <laughs> suck, you know? I kind of wanted to see the winner against another old guy. So you're right. Let's say Mike Tyson and Roy Jones go out there. Let's say the fight doesn't last all that long, but it's fun. Tyson wins by stoppage. I agree with you. If Anderson Silva wants to get into celebrity boxing and he's been teasing for, God knows, a decade about the idea of boxing his hero, Roy Jones, um, Anderson Silva against Mike Tyson in boxing, yeah, there is there's some there is some extra weird, and, if, and look, okay, I, I kind of poo-pooed your original idea of it being bigger than Tyson Jones, but Anderson Silva's a bigger star than Roy Jones. I think we can say that, right? Worldwide crossover, two sports, right? He's got you know, boxing fans know him. MMA fans love him. If Tyson looks good, that 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 could be a bigger sell. It'd be interesting. Um, I'll just say Listen, this, man. Bigger
1: sell, bigger sell or not? The question is this: whether he fights Mike Tyson or Roy Jones in boxing. Let's say that. Let's call that option one. Two different guys, two different sales numbers, but option one. Option number two would be, what is he going to do on the MMA side of things? Now, he might get some good money to do that, but I can't think of a fight that's going to be as big as that one. You might say, what about Fedor versus Anderson Silva? What if Scott Cooker wants some interest? But dude, we spoke to him yesterday on CBS Sports HQ. I mean, he didn't say he wasn't interested, but he definitely didn't say he was. And the vibe that I got was, they are not looking to sign a guy who is at, I mean... This is the low point of Anderson Silva, not merely as once he became a popular figure, because there's a degree of anonymity he had before that, but once he became popular, this is certainly the farthest he's fallen, and it's for sure the worst he's been in his professional run insofar as any major organization is concerned. He's never been this bad. So I think Coker kind of feels like the stock has dropped. I think an Anderson Silva versus Fedor fight, whatever the merits of it are, still would do really well. But you have to ask yourself, what is a bigger option for Anderson aside from that inside MMA? I'm not so sure what the answer is, especially if the Bellator uh, door is closed. Well, let me look at it like this. Uh, the stocks dropped because of age and decline,
0: but also, again, the matchmaking. The Uriah Hall fight didn't really make a ton of sense. The Derek Brunson fight didn't. The Karen Nair fight didn't. We've been through that on and on. But here's the original quote from Coker about two weeks ago when MMA Junkie asked him. He said, I have a lot of respect for Anderson. He's definitely one of the greatest fighters in the history. I really haven't thought about it, but I think I'm happy with the way our roster is heading and the fighters that we have now. I think that's my statement on it. So whether he was you know, similar to that in talking to you on HQ... It still feels very open-ended. It still feels like, okay, I'm not going to go out of my way to lust after him, maybe because I don't want him to offer some ridiculous price. But, Luke, uh, Fabricio Verdoom just signed with PFL, something we talked about the other day. You still kind of have the potential to make one more big Fedor fight that draws giant ratings and even could be a pay-per-view. I, I don't believe Scott Coker is against, by any means, the idea of bringing in Anderson Silva, putting him in a fun fight against Fedor, and making some fun money and attention off of that. And Luke, tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me right now if I'm wrong, okay? This is the key question for you. Is Anderson Silva in play in the middleweight division in Bellator if he joined to be a legitimate title contender? I'm not so sure he isn't, Bro.
1: He can't beat Musasi, can he? I don't think he can.
0: Okay, that's okay. Probably not. But could he beat everyone else if he? If he? I mean, it's it, there's an if. The if he doesn't crumble, if his leg doesn't break again, if if you know. But still, I'm just saying, like, he's not competitive in, enough for elite UFC top tier matchmaking. But he might find longevity if a Bellator wanted him.
1: Yes. I mean, listen, if you matchmake Anderson correctly and you put him up against guys who are not top 15 middleweights in the world, there's a very good chance he can win. Now, here's the thing, though. Where do you have to go in terms of middleweights for Anderson to be Anderson again before he can just absolutely stunt on folks and do magic and blah, blah, blah? See, that's a little bit different. Folks are saying, oh, you can just give him, you know, Bellator, middleweight, whoever's, and he'll win. Yeah, it's probably true. In fact, I think it's very true. But what's it going to take to get the guy back who was ragdolling people, or front kicking him in the face, or flying kneeing, or whatever? I don't know how far down you have to drop to get that. And my hunch is I don't think we want to find out. So it's a that I think that's what Coker might be up against. Like if you're signing Anderson, what are you signing him for? Because you want to get a few more, you know, uh, ratings out of him. I mean, you're on CBS Sports on Thursdays and not the most ideal time slot. Again, I don't think ratings are no concern, but I don't think it's a preeminent one. You're not on pay-per-view. You're not even on Saturdays at this point. Is he really the guy you want to be investing in? It seems to me like you want young guys who are on the come-up, you know, your Logan Storleys, your Joey Davises, your A.J. McKees, guys who can turn and burn, stay healthy, who you can develop, you can get interested in. Signing old dudes for a Thursday show, I don't know how much sense that All right, makes. Well,
0: let me, let me stop you on the Thursday part of that, like this. Obviously, it it would feel, this show, we're going to talk shortly about how homegrown AJ McKee is like the next breakout star. So it would seem to go against the vision that Coker's trying to create to go back into the old school playbook and sign the castoffs. Yes, I agree with you. But, and this is no inside information from being in the company, we just know from the Viacom-CBS merger that Bellator is in the same family as both Showtime and regular CBS. We also know that Coker had a crap ton of success in the past, Luke, going on big CBS, putting Fedor on there, getting a stupid amount of ratings, just as uh, Kimbo Slice and Elite XC did right before that. So if you wanted to do Anderson Silva and Fedor, I think you would have options, whether the pay-per-view arm, whether the national television arm, where it wouldn't be Thursday nights on CBS Sports Network. It would be, let's pitch our tent, and that's what... You know, we, Scott Coker's got the whole tentpole idea when he does go for a major, Luke. When it's Bellator MSG, he pulls out the Chael Sonnens and in the in the, uh, in the Fedors, and it still seems like it's part of the business model.
1: So, yeah. So, listen, to the extent that you could really make a marquee event on a marquee night, marquee venue, I mean, they're going to stay at Mohegan, okay, so maybe that's out of the question. But, you know, big CBS or, you know, Showtime or something like that, and it's a Saturday night and you can really hype it up, Sure. But so long as it's been, as, so long as it continues to be what it has been, which is a fine product, but it's not suited for someone like Anderson. Uh, it makes no sense.
0: That's fair. That's fair. All right, let's roll it on here, Luke, with the weekend preview. Saturday night from the damn Apex. It is UFC 255, and it is a pay per view. It's not getting a ton of love, and you know there's reasons mm-hmm. why. It's end of the year. It's not a loaded card. Potential fights fell off. We do have two title fights though, and both take place. In the flyweight division, men's and women's, the main event, Divison and taking on Alex Perez, the late replacement for Cody Garbrandt. Luke, um, you know, with all said and done about the idea of, like, Alex Perez being the most, you know, unheralded, anonymous, pay-per-view, you know, B-side in a title fight, all that might be true. But if you can put aside the fact that if you don't get it for free like us because we're journalists and you have to pay for this, It's a pretty damn good matchup still. I need and want to find out right now if Devison Figueredo is the next in line after Mighty Mouse, after Cejudo, for somebody who can make this division their own. He seems to have the goods. Is this going to be a a showcase for him, or do you see a tough match?
1: I'll, I'll say this. I don't... You know, listen. Whether this fight is worth paying for as a consumer is a choice that consumers have to make. We don't really have to worry about that. It's not a calculation that we think about so we just think about the fight and how good it could be there's plenty of reason to think it could be a perfectly good fight again one worth paying for that's a very different consideration but by itself um listen Perez does have a loss to Benavidez a bad stoppage loss and Benavidez has excuse me I should say Figueiredo has two stoppage wins back to back in fact over Benavidez but I would be very careful about playing MMA math I do think Figueiredo deserves to be your favorite He is good everywhere, good submissions, good ground and pound, very good at latching onto positions and holding them in grappling context, physically strong, and obviously we've seen his knockout power. It's tremendous at this weight class. So he's a force to be reckoned with, and I look forward to seeing him compete for those reasons. Um, But, you know, uh, Perez is interesting in his growth. Two years ago, you can look at the loss to Benavidez and you can say, aha, this isn't the guy that can beat Figueroa." And again, I'm going to favor Figueroa to win. But from age 26 to age 28, under the tutelage of Colin Oyama, he has gotten way better. In fact, his last fight with the winner of Juicier Formica, who has beaten the champion, because you can play that MMA math both ways, he looked tremendous with those leg kicks. I mean, it was a really, really dominant performance, an easy one, frankly, in that regard. So I still feel like the smart money is on Figueroa. But Perez is a reasonably worthy contender. He could make it interesting. He is he's much busier than Figueroa. I think that volume might play a factor, especially if there's any kind of weight cutting issue as the fight goes late. So, do I love it, BC? I don't love it, but I definitely don't hate it. And I think it's going to be a perfectly fine fight. Could be, could be surprising.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that interesting footnote with the MMA math. I don't think there's ever been a title fight in which both guys are fresh off a stoppage win over the only person to defeat their opponent in the UFC. Mm-hmm. It's just that weird sort of way it played out. Uh, you know, I we had uh, we had both Figueredo and Perez on morning combat this week, and, you know, they didn't want to play into the idea that they can learn anything or that that means anything, and I think that's the smart case. But I think for the division, Luke, look, you kind of hope that Figueredo can develop a ring. He seems to be the right character with the flashiness, and he was shirtless in my interview with the dark shades, the stripe in the hair. I mean, he's got some some flavor there. I know the language barrier is still a thing, but he carries himself as a badass. He's evolved into just this destroyer who can beat you on the feet as much as on the ground. You would think with potential, uh, you know, potential big fight against Garbrandt, the unknown factor of will Cejudo ever come back, and then just that... Pretty fair line of fun guys that he could fight if he wins. The Askarovs, the Morenos, the Royvols. He would be the right guy to build around and be your face. Uh, the, the, the contrary to that is Alex Perez, who's gone overnight from, you know, nothing to, to a potential to cash in and make his moment. You know, I like the connection with he's the first Dana White Contender Series fighter to get a title shot. I like that he's, what, 7-1 and one since joining the UFC. But I think all the things that he does good... Figueroa might do them a little better. And talking to Perez about what this fight would look like, he's like, you know, it's going to be a flyweight war. It's going to be wild. If you're willing, not just able, if you're willing, your intention is to get into hell with Figueroa. Luke, he lives there, bro. I think he'll take you there. He'll 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 find a spot for you. He'll rip up the floorboards and find that basement apartment in Hades and leave you there, like Mr. Benavides was left. Um, I think this is going to be a spectacular win. It's going to be competitive, but I think Figueredo is going to get that finish.
1: Yeah, it's just, you look at Perez, and aside from the volume work, and he does have nearly two to one on uh, strikes landed per minute, not quite, but pretty close, and you say to yourself, that could be a difference maker, especially if the fight goes late, but Figueredo has such an ability to just change the trajectory of a round or a fight with a big punch or, you know, show you he can get to the back, and then once he finds his way to the back one time, he can get it there a second or third time if it needs to. And he's got good ground and pound, he's got good submissions, strong as shit. Like he has, you know, he's a major, major force to be reckoned with. I hope he has no weight cutting issues. I don't suspect that he will, but you know, provided he can get his weight on on track, um, Perez could make it competitive, but it is hard to see how he has the upper hand over a guy like Figueredo. We're going to have to wait, B.C., probably for that Cody Garbrandt fight or somebody else to come along before we can really see him challenge. Yeah,
0: yeah. Sorry, Luke, about the, uh, I got darkness on one side, I've got light on the other. It's kind of a, you know, it's a representation of light, life, you know. You, you you stand right in the middle, and you're kind of going to choose which side. I'm going to try to stay toward the light here, Luke. Um, it's time for the co-main event talk, where the women's flyweight title's at stake. Valentina Shevchenko Against Jennifer Maya, Brazil uh, ground specialist, we know this, but Luke, uh, the betting odds are still like you know you got to put down uh, you know ten thousand dollars to make fifty cents back. I mean, what is the last time I checked? William Hill, Shevchenko was a minus one six six seven favorite. We uh, couldn't. First of all, you couldn't round out the number there, William Hill. Uh, second of all, you know plus eight hundred for Maya. Um, Luke, I think the good news is that women's straw weight is repopulating with, with some people that you wouldn't hate to, to see Shevchenko fight against. I'm talking about Jessica Andrade. I'm talking about Cynthia Calvio, and she's got to fight the, uh, Saturday as well. Maybe a Lauren Murphy, but Maya ain't it. Maya, to me, is in the same lineage of Chukage and Jessica Ai. this This is lamb to the slaughter. Luke, try to tell me it's not. Try to give me some hope for the Brazilian.
1: No, I don't, and I won't. I mean, here's the deal. MMA is chaotic and MMA is unpredictable and for those reasons you should always temper your expectations even in scenarios like this but ask yourself you know why this fight is being made it's being made because if you are a UFC champion or really any champion in any weight class in any organization or sanctioning body in boxing or MMA if you are the champion one of the things that is a responsibility of yours is to defend it two, three times a year. Now, how you do that and and, and against who, that always remains a little bit unsettled, but you have a responsibility to keep that thing in motion provided you have it. So that is why this fight is being made. It is being made in service to a belt. It is being made in service to a division. It is not being made in service to fan demand. And frankly, it's definitely not being made in service to the idea that Maya is any kind of real threat that we are aware of anyway, Against Shevchenko. In fact, if we were to ask who is a real threat, I don't think many of us would be putting Maya at or even near the top of the list. It is not clear at all what she has better. I mean, probably pure better ground game, but insofar as MMA is concerned, will that really show up? I I seriously have my doubts. Um, Will she even be able to get it to the floor? I definitely have my doubts about that. And so, listen. It's a fine fight for the reasons I just articulated. Not every time is a contender going to be the most exciting contender or this is the one to beat the fighter who has been holding a belt for a long time in a weight class. It doesn't always work that way. Sometimes it's not so pretty. It's better to just keep it in rotation. So I'm not going to poo-poo it. However, I'm also not going to mince words. It would take something close to a miracle for Jennifer Maia to win. And maybe a miracle happens. MMA is unpredictable. But BC, you know as well as I do, You have to be honest with the viewers. And from what we know, and maybe that's limited, but from what we know, Maya should get thrashed on Saturday.
0: Yeah, she should. And look, she did look fantastic against Joanne Calderwood. But, you know, first-round submission, dominant. But, you know, Calderwood wasn't getting you excited to potentially challenge Shevchenko either. And two fights ago, Maya lost to Caitlin Kaitlyn and So it's just sort of like, you know... There, there's the haves and the have-nots for sure at Women's Strawweight. We're hoping that there's an in-between area, you know, when you get the, uh, like, kind of pink on the stake, but not full, like, is there an in-between here? Maybe. Maybe Andrade fills that. She's going to have the knockout punch. Maybe Calvillo. Even Lauren Murphy. Look, I, I love the trash talk. I love the, all that. She probably doesn't have a prayer against Shevchenko either. And I'm not here to damn that. Like, I'm. if you're Shevchenko, look, she's still positively talking about the Amanda Nunes fight, which you want. You want her to go out and say, I don't know how, but that trilogy will happen. Even though, uh, you know, Mikey Brown, Amanda Nunes, coach at ATT, came out and said, "I don't think that's going to happen. I don't see why it would happen." I like that Valentina's at least leaving that out there. But Valentina's doing what she has to do, building her Hall of Fame resume, building her, you know, building her 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 stake to 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 an argument of being the women's GO, and she's incredible. So if she wants to stay busy and just keep taking on whoever they give to her. Uh, she's going to systematically destroy them. And I love interviewing her, not for the reasons you think, but for the standpoint of, like, she is so dialed in and all business on this business. Nothing scares her, nothing shakes her. Her response to anything when you try to ask her either a negative question or some reason why her opponent might have success is, I've been doing this for 27 years. I mean, look, this is her freaking life. And, um, you know, it's cool that that both Shevchenko's are on the same card, all that. But this is going to be another demolition. And Luke, I, I mean, you hate these type of debates, but is Shevchenko right now no worse than the fourth greatest female fighter of all time?
1: Jesus, thinking about that. So Megumi Fujii, Amanda Nunez, Cyborg, and then
0: I mean, she didn't have the I mean, she didn't have the fanfare of Rousey, but she's a better fighter than Rousey. She'd have the Dal- I wouldn't Mini- put
1: Rousey above. Well, I, uh, yeah, I don't know if I put Rousey above any of the names I just mentioned. Right, so Amanda, Cyborg, Megumi Fujii, and then this, Valentina? Maybe. You could maybe do that. I'd have to think I'm, more about it, but I don't think that's crazy.
0: I mean, look, straight up, she lost the first fight to, to Amanda at 196. Yes. yes, but she was coming on in that third round at a division over her head. A lot of us believe she actually beat Amanda, the, the, the prime version of Amanda, and then she's got all these Holly Holm wins. She's got all these, you know, a fair number of big name wins. Joanna, you know, in a title fight. So um, it's interesting. Submitted Juliana
1: Pena. She,
0: yeah, she's 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 really building something special here. I, I'm interested to see at 32 if she wants to keep going and if this division doesn't ever get too good, Luke. Um, you know, she could she could have a streak that I think pushes Rousey back. Like Rousey will never lose the 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 feelings that Rousey gave us. This this. First female star. First legitimate. No, you know, no, no disrespect to Carano and Cyborg, but the first crossover in your home female star and then the Mike Tyson level of dominance. But aside from that, Luke, every day she's getting closer to a Hoist Gracie uh, reality in terms of her legacy, Luke. Because it was too early and didn't and didn't linger when shit got hard, you know? It is what it is. All right. Uh, Luke, elsewhere on this card, give me your uh your most anticipated 255.
1: Ooh. God, um, you Mike, go, Mike Perry, Perry versus Tim Means. Uh, yeah, you got to the
0: reality show.
1: The reality show.
0: His life is a freaking. Re- Have you seen yeah. his Twitter? Did you in the see last his tweets? Hours?
1: Did you see his tweets about cutting weight? I mean, Good the dude, Lord. He sounded like, and I know. Listen, I don't know what happened with uh, with the reporting that MMA Junkie had about the um, alleged domestic violence problems he was having. I trust MMA Junkies reporting, but, you know, it certainly is, I'm sure, a complicated story on some level. And, you know, credit to him. He actually answered questions from the guy who wrote the story at Media Day, which I thought was kind of... uh, Can
0: we pause for a second, Luke? Everyone needs to go back and, and watch that extended Mike Perry Media Day interview that, you know, the traditional UFC Media Day... It was some of the most bizarre, and you could not take your eyes off the screen. Because shout out to that reporter you mentioned. He had big ones, okay? Because I've been there in the trenches in an interview with Mike Perry, and I got sent to hell and had my life threatened. And this guy, Luke, was coming at him with, like, okay, let's talk about the 911 call. Let's talk about your mom's reaction. Let's talk about the allegations. And, Luke, you saw a new Mike Perry, meaning he was calm, but it was like sociopath Mike Perry. It was almost scary. Were you not moved watching that?
1: A little bit. I, in fact, I got. Well, you know what? I got the opposite vibe. I got the vibe that this dude, and I don't know Mike, so this is very much speculation from afar, BC. But I get the feeling that he might be like legitimately uh, not in totality. I think he sells a lot of demons, but some part of him, some part of him, is actually quite happy. What is the state of his completes life right him. now? Him,
0: she completes him, Luke. She had him at hello.
1: Well. You know, Listen, no one person actually does that for you. You shouldn't rely on another person for emotional well-being in an in, in unhealthy way, which I think he might be doing to some degree. Again, this is speculation from afar, so don't read too much into it. All, all, the only vibe I think I would stand on is that he finally has, again, I think he's got a lot of demons and a lot of problems, but it does feel like some of that has been washed away a little bit. And if you've been, there are certain kinds of fighters, B.C., there are fighters out there who they are cold and calculating and they can get it done for year after year no matter what. I mean, they have up years, they'll have down years, but there's not a whole lot of difference between them. A guy like Robbie Lawler would be a great example of that, right? I mean, he just kind of yeah, you know, he you had some lazy moments in his career, but in general, he was a fighter through and through for about two decades. Um, and then you have fighters who compete based on... This absolutely aggro fear and anger. And it's driven from all kinds of fucked up backgrounds sometimes. Or there's a number of causes for it. And the problem with that is it can take you pretty far. But when you begin to get older and solve some of those problems in your life, the engine of the, the fuel that you were using to propel yourself, it begins to go away. Now, again, I don't know if this is true. It's only the vibe that I'm getting. This is deeply unscientific, and I want to be clear about that. It's just a feeling that I get. But when you have a kid on the way and you're in this relationship and you can talk calmly, again, I know he put hands on a guy just you know not too long ago. Again, he's a bit of a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, but I think he was all one or the other before. So what I'm trying to point out to you, BC, is, first of all, let's see if he even makes weight because the way he was talking on social media was like, I don't have it, I can't do it, this is I'm on death's door, blah, blah, blah. Do it we, was very serious. Do we serious. have
0: those tweets? Do we have those tweets to bring in anybody in the back?
1: I don't know. If they can find him, throw him up on the screen, don't wait for it, just put him up. A, the last thing I'd note? say on this be- I don't know. BC Honol, let me just finish. I'll pitch it back to you, which is that I think that is very curious because Tim Means, the guy he's fighting tomorrow, whether he's in a good mood or a bad mood, he ain't necessarily a world beater, but he's far from a chump, and he's the kind of guy who doesn't get too high up or too low down. He just stays in that middle ground, and that could be a very, very tough fight for him, especially if Mike is going through some of these other issues.
0: Yeah, Tim Means business indeed. Uh, I love your Dr. Joyce Brothers breakdown of... uh... Mike Perry's potential codependency issues there, but it seems like no, all jokes aside, coach LaTorre, by the way, who is uh, gotta be a leading candidate for uh, coach of the year at this point, along with Rashad Evans that time. Um, She's, she's grounded him, but these, these tweets are disturbing Luke. Uh, and they look, Mike could step on the scale any minute as we do this show. I'm not actually aware of what's going on. If he did make weight or not, but, uh, As recently as four hours ago, he's saying, so easy for people to sit there and say shit, but I swear, I feel like anyone saying I'm weak for this doesn't cut weight. It's death to me. I'm dying already, and I have six more pounds to go. Uh, It's hitting me so much harder than the first 14. Luke, there was about four or five tweets, uh, and it started off with one saying, I'm sorry, man, I don't think I can make it. And another one questioning a move up to 185. Luke, I don't think he can compete at 185. Like, he's got to figure this out for his career. It's, it sucks that we're not getting the Robbie Lawler fight here, which we, we thought we were, because there was a lot of interesting what's that going to look like. But I think you're right. Um, if he can make this weight and feel okay, he should win this fight. If he can't, and he's trying to put on a face, he's trying to hold everything together, uh, he could fall apart here. This is, and again, this is the Mike Perry experience. Luke, they should put him in at least the co-main every time he fights. I'm not kidding. There is such a <laughs> post-jail Mike Tyson factor for him that you don't know what he's going to do. But yet, at the same time, he's a pretty good, competent fighter. I mean, the Mickey Gall fight reminded us of what he can do when he's focused and everything's going well. I know he still hasn't really found a like legitimate full-time coach. I know he has like, a friend in the corner, along with LaTori this time. I hope the friend carries the spit bucket and not the pregnant girlfriend, but you know, people live their lives differently. But, Luke, um, although we will be watching for just as equal cringe reasons and, and voyeur reasons as we will for traditional ones, um, I need to see every ounce of footage that I can on Mike Perry. I don't think they can put him on TV enough, Luke. I'm sorry. I'm being straight up and honest with you. It is what it is. Um, the guy, I have to see what's going to happen next.
1: Well, I wouldn't want to exploit somebody overly if we could at all avoid it. But if Mike Perry can – if he wins – and he deserves to keep going on some kind of you know, path of, I don't know if greatness is the right word, but success, then yeah, let's keep putting him in fights of consequence. But I really wonder about his mental state. Again, I think he's got a lot of issues to iron out, and maybe he is ironing out some of them, and that tension is, is playing with him. And that dude, here's the thing, man, you know this. As tough as Mike Perry is, and he is tough, we know that from his fight with Vicente Luque, if you're not in the right mental space, man, you are going to get hurt in this game, and uh, we'll have to see how he looks. Hello. Oh, uh, did we lose him again? <laughs> BC making it look terrible. Uh, uh, yeah, so BC. Yeah, we have to wait for him to get back on, uh, on the old uh, Zoom. For folks who may not know, we have these units called Live View units that we're using to broadcast the signal smoothly to you. But BC and I, I have Zoom up here to the left of me. We have to use that to hear each other. We can't use the live view to hear each other. So live view makes the experience when it works smooth for the consumer, but it doesn't do us any good on the back end. So we're on the, We're relying on the magic of Zoom and uh, BC got that old, he uh, got that Starbucks Wi-Fi. It's a, li- <laughs> it's a little bit inconsistent. It's a little bit not money
0: i back. I'm back, baby. Please put me on the screen. Show the people I'm still here. Yes. yes. BC,
1: oh. You talked a lot of shit about my own internet problems with my live chat yesterday. Karma, buddy. Well, Karma, because mine is working just fine.
0: Anyone who knows LA knows that the wildcard gym is not in is not in the nicest district of Hollywood, Luke. And I was told that this Hampton Inn uh, used to be like a rent-by-the-hour, by the by-the-bed by motel. So they have turned things around, Luke, but uh, not enough yet. But hey, Mike Perry going to Mike Perry. Luke, real quick. Mike Perry's upper, as you would say, his upper bound limits, his upper... Well, there's a lot of Luke phrases I don't understand, but I'm trying to use them in my life to
1: sound smarter. You never took calculus?
0: Now, Luke, I, you know, I... <laughs> come on. Look, bottom line... I'm from a factory town. Wait, wait, wait. Town. You've Bottom never line. taken
1: calculus? You've never taken calculus?
0: Yeah, I mean, did I really take it, though? Did I really, Luke? No. You know, I'm, I'm from a <laughs> factory town. Okay, Luke. You know, I didn't, you know, they, they, they said... Listen, Jaime
1: me. Escalante taught calculus in the inner city of, of Los Angeles. So, you know, if those burros can learn calculus, so can you.
0: Uh, the upper bound limits of Mike Perry as a fighter, to me, is not a title contender Ever. But in an attraction, and how about in the BMF discussion? I know we don't really talk about that belt as real. Are there specific BMF-like fights that you want to see Parry in that would move you? I mean, Gall well, is one. Well, of- be- again,
1: beating Mickey Gall is fine. That's fine, but it, it, that won't put you in a BMF conversation, or at least like, ooh, what are some fun fights? I mean, could he be in throwdown scraps with a lot of guys? Yeah, sure. But while you don't have to be a world beater. You do have to have a certain degree of success and ability to be in that BMF kind of. You know, and I know you're not asking about that specifically, but you know that kind of an orbit, that kind of a reputation, you got to beat the Tim Meanses of the world to be there. So I won't say that there's not fights that could potentially excite me, but it, it, I'd be getting ahead of myself until he figures out exactly who he is and how good he is.
0: Yeah, you got to beat the scale, the demons, and Tim Means. Hopefully, he can do all three. Uh, Luke, also on this card, quickly, in the women's strawweight division, Caitlin Chukagian, didn't she lose, like, two hours ago to Andrade? She's back against uh, Calvillo. Do you think a win here from Calvillo puts her next in line?
1: Yeah, I thought she was going to get it after she uh, won her last fight, but I guess not, so here we are. Did she win her last one, or I thought she won her last one, right? She did, but is this setting up...
0: Is this setting up an Andrage Lauren Murphy number one contenders fight? Is that where we're going with this?
1: Yes, I think so. Um, because you've got this fight this weekend and you know, Lauren Murphy's won like what, four or five or four in a row or something kind of crazy. Yeah, that's right. Jessica I had a win over uh so excuse me, lost to Cynthia. Did we lose the screen? What's happening here, folks? All right. I don't know what's happening on Zoom, but there we go. Okay. We go. All right. All right.
0: <laughs> this show is being held together by bubblegum Luke. It's great. It's
1: great. It's like it's like, hey guys, I have a stick of gum, a paper clip, and some fuzz in my pocket. You want a MacGyver show for us? It'd no, be nice. Jay
0: sent me this high tech equipment in like a hard briefcase. Luke, the, 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 the charging like the cords to plug in the camera and the mic for like this long. They're like three like they're I mean I it's 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 awesome. All Do right Do you remember
1: I'll, that S N L sketch where Jimmy Fallon would play the IT guy who would get frustrated with anyone asking him to do anything?
0: <sighs> yeah. yeah. yeah
1: that's, <laughs> that's Jay. Jay will pack the most fucked up shit in a bag, and then if you can't set it up, it's because you're the dumbass, not because he is making your job as difficult as possible and trying to leverage and lord his knowledge well, over Well, actually, you.
0: it was the T-99. You just need the, uh, you just need the HDMI. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: All right. Anyway, uh, uh, yes, I think if she... She had the draw against Marina Rodriguez, but she had the win against Poliana Botelio, Courtney Casey, and Jessica. If she beats Chu Kagan, I think Cynthia's probably got to be next.
0: Luke, trivia question. Which well known UFC light heavyweight is 5 1 and 1 since 2015?
1: Is it Shogun Hua?
0: Yeah, how the hell did that happen, Luke? I thought he was washed like the day after the John Jones fight.
1: Dude, he is like. What's the uh, what? I mean, I, I don't know exactly what it would be, but he's that thing in the fridge. It takes a long time for him to go bad. You be, you pull it out and you, you smell. You are like, eh, I could still have this. Fruitcake. I can still put this on he's my the eggs.
0: Fruitcake, Luke. Fruitcake can live on your thing for a whole holiday year and a half. Yeah.
1: Is that what he is? Yeah, dude. He he just has. I mean, the half life of this guy is unbelievable. Because you just feel like he's walking on stilts. You know, uh, at all times, and then he just seems to find a way to make it to the other side of the obstacle over and over again. But here's the thing: it's like he definitely looks old. His physique has changed. He's taken a million miles, and he gets hurt a lot worse than he ever used to get Dude, he hurt. Takes I mean, he takes an to get ass hurt.
0: kicking, and every yes. win he gets his ass kicked. Luke,
1: he's he is he's like that old pair of shoes you just can't throw out, man. And uh, you know, he had to draw with Paul Craig. This is actually a rematch. Paul Craig's something of a guard player. So I would like to say that Paul Craig can beat him. I think he probably will, but I'm not confident about it at all.
0: Luke, I'm scared if Shogun wins this. If, he's, if he goes 6-1-1 <laughs> one and one in eight fights, do you know what your reward is for that in the UFC? Hell, okay. Somebody, CTE. I
1: know the reward. Dude, if Shogun wins, the reward is that somebody else is absolutely going to concuss him. Like, oh there's no God. doubt about it. <laughs>
0: All right, we also have the return of Joaquin Buckley on this fight, the middleweight, who's going to take on Jordan Wright. A lot of pressure on his shoulders to, to sort of take advantage of the stardom he got from that spinny ship KO of the year against that guy whose name I can't pronounce, and um, that's interesting. But, Luke, no one's talking about this prelim main event on ESPN2. Brandon Marino and Brandon Royville at, at uh, Flyweight. This is going to bang, brother.
1: Yeah, Royville, an unbelievable scrambler. Not necessarily uh, th- this is going to sound demeaning, but i don 't mean it to be I, let me explain i don 't know that he employs the highest fight i q in terms of you know being reserved when you need to and hitting go when you need to instead he 's got this all action all in your face style, but the point i 'm trying to make is it actually works for him really well in fact it 's terrifying for opponents he just keeps coming and he's all over the place and the takedowns are relentless and the scrambles he's usually initiating them so he's able to get ahead in them and he just finds a way so it's not like he's defensively uh, closed off or he's hard to hit he's not that necessarily hard to hit but he's hard to stop he's hard to control and for those reasons he's a tough out for anyone the question is we know Brandon Moreno has been getting a lot better fight over fight really maturing is he now ready to shut down a guy like Royville who you would imagine the very best flyweights would shut down a guy like Royville in his current state? Now, Roival will get better as well, but the current state he's in, the very best flyweights will have an answer for it. Is Brandon Moreno that guy? We think he probably is, but he's going to have to prove it on Saturday. Should be a very, very tough and entertaining scrap.
0: Also, uh, Antonina Shevchenko, the older sister of Valentina, needs a win here, it would feel like, going in there against Ariane Lipsky. Uh, Luke... Can we be the honest violence Queen. Can we be honest? I love the sisters. We know this. Uh Antonita's not that good, Luke. She's got a remedial ground game. I know she's got yeah. Muay Thai up the kazoo. Uh I don't like watching her take beatings. I mean, um yeah. You got any thoughts on the future? You know, recruiter? when she was
1: on Contender Series, you could tell against I think it was the I forget what fight it was on the Contender Series. Um I don't remember. She had a real, uh, she had a clinch, but you could tell it was a good clinch for Muay Thai, but she hadn't quite adapted it. And you're like, okay, well, you know, she's growing. I mean, this will take some time to get right. And I just haven't seen that growth. Now, I know she has two wins in a row, including that, uh, what was it? Uh, sorry, I don't know what I'm saying. She has the losses. Uh, I don't want to get put on dead wrong again. She's one and two in her last three. Wait, she has did the she loss make to the,
0: Did she make the Pro Football Hall of Fame?
1: We'll talk about that, uh, but the point being is on the contender series, it was against Jamie Niavara, and I was like, "Huh, okay." Well, you know, she had a decent clinch there for controlling, but it wasn't all that great. And then she had the loss to Motiferry, which was split. But then she had the loss to Chukagin, where she just got overwhelmed and had nothing for her. In fact, I was shocked. She surprised. Or I was. I was surprised she survived that fight. And so you're just like, I don't know if this is headed in the right direction for her.
0: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see, Luke. The the theater of violence will tell us all the truths. Uh, Thursday night, Bellator 253 invaded the Mohegan Mansion there. And uh, Luke, you had the the previews, the breakdowns on CBS Sports HQ. In that main event, we have a finalist for the World Featherweight Grand Prix and an interesting title contender as A.J. McKee improved to 17 and 0 with a first-round submission demolition against Darian Caldwell. Uh, Luke, it was as if we didn't see enough to learn enough, yet all it does is keep telling us what we already knew, that McKee is really special.
1: He is something kind of interesting. I mean, I think uh, I'd have to look at his record. I know he has the compost win via triangle off of his back. So he's got multiple submissions off of his back. He may have more. I'm not, and I, I can't recall off the top of my head. But the point I would want to make is, you know, a lot of times this might be a sub of the year thing. Now I, I had dubbed it the mckee teen on Twitter last night. He may adopt that name. He may not. It's something similar to what uh, Eddie Bravo has. I did not know this at the time, but I, I've been uh, informed of it since then. It's something called the 100% choke, but even then it's a little bit different. And the reason why is because two things are different. One, he had the body triangle on, and the, the, again, the demonstrations that I've seen of the 100% choke have it where it's, you have the, the sort of the gable grip whereas he went all the way to the bicep, which is a much tighter grip. And with that body triangle, you get a lot tighter as well. So it's just a little bit tighter, a little bit cleaner, a little bit more of a finisher. I've seen some folks being like, you know, only white belts get tapped to that kind of a choke. I'm a little less inclined to agree with it. But what I will say is for McKee to have the presence of mind to try it calmly, you know, is, is really quite impressive. He did get taken down with relative ease, but I don't think that's going to matter so much with Sanchez or Pitbull maybe a little bit with Sanchez but not so much with Pitbull so I'm not too worried about that but the thing that stands out to me is the guy has offense everywhere BC everywhere he goes he's looking to hurt you everywhere he goes he's looking to either ground and pound or in the clinch somewhere or, or you know every little detail he's not just trying to get back to his feet or neutralize it he's attacking 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 and that means you're going to find attacks that work in situations where a lot of other people don't even if it's a choke that you should not or a crank anyway that you should not tap to if you just have the wherewithal to keep trying stuff you're going to find it eventually it's going to work more often not more often than not but more often than the person who is obviously very fearful of, of attempting things like that so he to me is a force to be reckoned with 17 wins in a row 25 years old Darian Caldwell has some questions to ask himself. I mean, he the guy has been submitted a few times now from guard, by the way. Cor- uh, Horiguchi got him. Time and Glow, I think, got him with some, uh, a guillotine as well, if I'm not mistaken. So he kind of keeps his head down and low. So, you know, he's a little bit prone to these kinds of attacks. But I just mean A.J. McKee, you know, against Patricio... BC, I'm still going to favor Patricio. But you want to talk about live dog? Oh, he yeah. is not afraid of these guys, and I can't wait to see who he faces.
0: This is best case scenario for the Grand Prix for Bellator, uh, you know, home this guy. I and mean, this is what Aaron Pico was supposed to be and, again, still could be, but this is his maturation. His, look, this looked a lot like Aljo against Corey Sanhagen, and I had Sanhagen coming in that fight, and I thought Caldwell was going to be able to control this fight on the ground. I was... Devastatingly wrong in such quick fashion in both fights because one man just took advantage of the situation and found a found a path to victory quickly. Luke, I love that you dubbed that the Macchiatine, very homeless beard Cody McKenzie style. Uh, others like that as well here. Can we throw to the sound what the videotape you, hey, hey, of hey, Luke? Congratulations
1: Thomas. on on just an incredible performance. A lot of people asking on Twitter, what do you call this submission?
0: I don't know. What would you call my last submission? We'll just start calling them the Mercs, because the mercenaries are people with them.
1: <laughs> the great Luke Thomas called it the Makotine.
0: Making, I like that. <laughs> hey, shout out to whoever came up with that. <laughs> um, you know, I, I never have seen a submission like that. The uh, they called the new name is the Makotine. That's the first time for me. I I mean I've seen all this. Luke, I don't know if the public heard that. Hopefully, our our staff pulled it off. But if you can pop Scotty Coxs like that and get McKee on your side, Luke, you are a you're you're a visionary. You see things other people don't.
1: Well, we will see. I don't know if he'll adopt it or not. It's obviously you know you know whose call it is. It's his call. He'll get to decide what it is and it is not called. But I really just take my hat off to him. Presence of mind, always attacking, always offense, calm in the face of pressure. Not a fully developed product. That wrestling defense could use some work, but. Um, You know, can he win the BC? At the beginning of the tournament, I was not sure he could win it. Now, heading into the finals, I'm still not sure. I mean, I'm not sure about anybody, but do I believe he can win it? Yes, I absolutely think he can win this tournament, whether it's against Emmanuel Sanchez or Patricio Pitbull.
0: Luke, don't sell yourself short, you're a tastemaker. I mean, coming into this show, Luke, I I may put the seasoning on the steak and we have that debate a lot, but, you know, my YouTube uh, subscribe count was zero. Yours was like 100 million. So, Luke, shout out to all your fans that have come to make this show what it is, leaving me and just my couple of homeless kittens to uh, celebrate, Uh, you know, but I'll take it, Luke, I'll take it. And McKee against either guy will be great. Him against Pitbull will be even better Damn, Bellator, you did it! It's working out. Uh, and that cold main event, Luke Jason Jackson took another step forward. The rising welterweight, who uh, you know his only losses again were injury and in a in a maybe a bunk decision. He relied on his wrestling to take Benson Henderson at thirty-seven. Uh, to the bottom of the mat for three straight rounds, Luke. This wasn't the kind of spectacular stuff. When Jackson fought Ed Ruth, he was getting dry, He was knocking him down. He was getting that for that moment. This looked more like a professional, well-rounded mixed martial artist. How good is Jackson after this win?
1: I, I still am a little bit unclear as to the totality of his upside. Uh, although I thought he was very good. I mean, be, with the exception of a couple of moments in the third round, and you know, minding his p's and q's he more or less did what he wanted. I mean, it wasn't that kind of a dominating fight, but it wasn't far from it either. To me, the big takeaway was Jason Jackson is, that's going to be the best win of his career, at least in terms of name value, right? We can say that pretty clearly. And I think has shown enough overall ability to warrant these kinds of spots on Bellator cards against opponents that people know. I mean, and he might beat them and go even further. To me, the, the thing I took away from it, I know it's not necessarily what you're asking is, Yes, I came away impressed with Jackson, but I came away more just baffled by what Henderson is doing at 170. I mean, I know he had some success at 170 back in his UFC days, um, but, you know, we're a far cry from that, and everything he was trying here, it wasn't like he wasn't game, BC. Like, he was trying, you know? You could see him. Yeah, he was, he of, was
0: responsible and competent to not get yes, stopped, but, but he it was just. You could
1: just tell he was up against a force, that he was overmatched by yeah
0: yeah i i get you know let's not let's not hype jackson to the moon but he is improving this was a solid not not entertaining not anything about that just a solid rely on your strengths and win um where are we going with him Yum, yeah you're a slob i'm i'm still a slob is that a fight we got to make here at welter mvp mvp oh yeah that's good matchmaking that is good matchmaking right there uh Who's the welterweight champion in Bellator at the moment? Uh, oh, Lima, Lima. All right, Lima, so yeah. Uh, interesting, interesting. Yeah, he's not problem.
1: he's not ready for Lima.
0: Yeah, no, not at all. Uh, Luke, can you tell me you were hyping up my fellow here, Joey Davis, the welterweight, to win in there against Bobby Lee, the accomplished collegiate wrestler, Joey Davis? How impressed were you with of both the wrestling and the ground and pound in this wide three round decision?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think this was his strongest or most. Um... You know, was this his flashiest performance? I don't think it was that. But, I mean, let's keep, keep a couple things in mind here. One, he nearly stopped his opponent in the first round with strikes from ground and pound. He got pretty close. He sort of knocked him down from his knees as he was ground and pounding him. And his opponent was tough and, and hung on, but it got a little dicey there for him in the first. So that's the first thing I'd say. Second, it was dominating all the way through. I mean, you want to talk about Davis doing everything he wanted to do? He basically did. And then, three, I'd say it's really valuable for a guy in his eighth fight to get 15 minutes of ring time against a guy who had no real shot at beating him but could make him work for the win a little bit. So I think it would be a valuable experience. I mean, did he go out there and blow the doors off of the public's imagination? No, not this time. However, you watch that guy and you watch how athletic he is and smart he is and and he's patient but not too patient to where he doesn't throw. He's just patient enough to like know when to go and when not to. He's like those guys in the obstacle course who end up having the fastest time, but they're not sprinting through it or anything. That's him, right? So I think I'm still just as high on him as I was before. Um, But, you know, like anybody who's 8-0, not named John Jones, he just needs some more time to get his game well-rounded. But I still am very, very high on on how far he can go.
0: Look, it was a busy night for Coach Antonio McKee, the father of AJ, who cornered uh, a bunch of these guys who had victories on this night. One guy he cornered who didn't is Baby Slice, Luke. Is uh, He lost. He's 3-3 three and three now. Is this experiment over?
1: Yeah, it's all, I mean, he's 3-3 three three now. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, no one's doing interviews anymore because I guess they don't care. Uh, <clears throat> what do
0: you do? Do you put him in there with, uh, with with CM Punk types now? I mean, what do you do? You cut him? What do you do? I don't know. Nick Newell? Give him Nick Newell? I don't know. I don't, even, I don't know. I don't know. All right.
1: I, I don't. I, I literally don't even know if they're in the same weight class. I don't even know what weight he fights at anymore. I've forgotten.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. All right, Luke, uh, let's close up with the topics this week. Uh, you know we're in between this weird period where Terrence Crawford, maybe your bound-for-pound king of boxing, just demolished Kell Brook. And next week, I'm sorry, two weeks from now, Luke, it will be that pay-per-view on Fox, Errol Spence, Danny Garcia. We know we all want Crawford and Spence. That's the fight we want. But Errol Spence told The Athletics' Mike Coppinger this week that the Crawford fight would have to be a 60-40 split or it's off. The quote was, I definitely should get the bigger share. The proof is in the pudding who's the bigger draw. He's a great fighter, but I feel like 60-40, that's the right price. Crawford put out a number of tweets in response, the most important one being, well, looks like that fight will never happen. Uh, Luke, is this just, you know, two guys arguing over the size of their uh, box office and, and nothing to see here until we actually have a chance to make this fight? Or is this a, a potential problem for you?
1: The whole thing is depressing. It's that's so boxing, depressing, bro. Like,
0: That's boxing. That is boxing.
1: <laughs> this it's is what we do in boxing. You're like, you're like, you're like, I don't even know if it's wrong that Spence gets sixty. I mean, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. You know, that's a that's a tougher argument to make. Uh, you can make it again. I don't think it's wrong, but to just declare it outright and then these guys put themselves out, and then the other one like wants to double down on their you know intransigence, so now everyone is stubborn and no one wants to move. I mean, there's this weird thing in boxing where they don't ever really negotiate to get to a place. They negotiate in a way to never show any kind of perceived weakness. It's like, if I take this demand, which will make the fight happen, and I'll get richer for it, and it could be better for me in all kinds of ways, Rather than doing that, I'm going to say no because me saying yes shows some kind of perceived, you know, ailment to the status of my career, and so the, you know, the whole thing moves on, and then we get treated to Bud Crawford versus, you know, Applesauce McGillifucky. I mean, it's like, really, this is what we're doing. We're going to fucking do this over and over again. So I'm not BC. I'm not throwing into towel like, uh, you know, Mark Breland did on, uh, you know, his former understudy on the idea that this fight can be made. A lot of this probably is Like Rocky Balboa
0: should have for for, uh, Creed. I'll say this,
1: though. That shit is depressing, bro. It is super depressing.
0: I mean, look, this is boxing. This is what fills our podcast time when you cover boxing full-time. But uh, let's break it down like this on who should get the split. Errol Spence does have two of the four welterweight titles unified. Uh, Crawford just has one. Uh, Spence has been on pay-per-view twice against Mikey Garcia and against Sean Porter. Both did solid numbers both exceeded expectations by a slight amount Both did 300 three hundred four hundred thousand around there uh crawford's been on pay-per-view twice and he's absolutely bombed both times including the amir khan one on espn that bob arum revealed did something like a hundred thousand buys and uh you know spence certainly has the much deeper resume at welterweight having beaten sean porter having you know having beaten lamont pierce and a bunch of other guys so uh, Kelbrook Brook being one of the, you know, prime Kelbrook closer to prime Kelbrook, excuse me. Uh, Crawford went on to talk to Fight Hype Luke and said, uh, if it's 60-40, it's not going to happen. I accomplished way more than Spence did in his little career. And now he's back to this. This is Bud. I don't really care if that fight don't happen anymore. I used to be all up on that, but these last couple years, it just rubbed off on me. Um, here's the deal. If Spence does beat Garcia, I think the better fight right now for Crawford under the top rank deal is to get Manny. It'll give him the celebrity rub that he needs. It's still a very tough fight. It'll give him a chance at a second title. So really, let's say Crawford fights Manny and wins. Let's say Spence beats Garcia. That means Crawford would have two belts. Spence would have two. That's the time to make it. That's the time to take, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if um, if Crawford would be out of his top rank deal by then, but either way, that's the time to make the two networks come together for all four welterweight titles. And if it gets to that point, Luke, it's fifty-fifty in my money at that point, right? Right now, it's splitting hairs on who's the bigger draw, who's the whatever. But uh, you know, Luke, it's boxing, so this is going to be the meat that we chew on until they actually fight. Sorry to depress you. Welcome to my world.
1: <laughs> Thanks, BC. So,
0: well, Luke, speaking of depressing stuff, uh, let's take some L's or let's hand a few out too. You ready? Let's it's do it for let's our do favorite. It. It is dead wrong,
1: Can yes. you hear my daughter? Can yes, you hear I my can. daughter?
0: Yes, really? I can. I think she's yelling for the ducks again. I keep telling
1: it? them, please don't have her yell during lunchtime at the door, and then every lunchtime, she's yelling at the door. So, well, is you know, you know.
0: off-duty right now, right?
1: Yeah, she's in Columbia.
0: Yeah, that, see, that's your problem right there. All right, hey, Luke, uh, dead wrong number one this week. <laughs> oh, <laughs>
1: you know, like, here's how you know how bad this is, BC. Here's how bad this is. Ready? I still stand by the original point. That it's hard to get into the NFL Hall of Fame or the football. Again, the NFL doesn't run it. It's the Football Hall of Fame. And that if you looked at some of the names who are not in there, in part because there's a five-year waiting list, you might be surprised. However, here's how I almost spoil it. Great comedy special. Great comedy
0: special, yeah. Yeah.
1: Jose, you can still roast me for it because I deserve to be roasted to the nth degree. Here's how I knew I was going to take a whopper of an L today. The instant the show ended, I got emails, (laughs) Facebook (laughs) messages, (laughs) Insta DMs, all be like, yo, bro, you fucked that up wildly. <laughs> so, so BC, hand me that L. Yeah,
0: this is like, uh, remember that show on Nickelodeon when we were kids? You can't do that on television where they'd get yeah. slimed, get ready. I'll get
1: slimed, major.
0: Out of the 20 players that Luke listed as not being in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, Fourteen of those are dead wrong. It's Chris Carter in twenty thirteen, Michael Strahan twenty fourteen, Jerome Bettis twenty fifteen, Tim Brown that year, Brett Favre the next year, Kevin Green, Marvin Harrison, Terrell Davis in twenty seventeen, Jason Taylor, Kurt Warner, Terrell Owens, Isaac Bruce. Luke, you got thirty percent right. So uh, okay. you can
1: so, so you know what? Here's here's what happened. I knew that it was true. You would agree with me that it's much it's very difficult to get into the Football Hall of Fame. It's a general statement. Yeah. You would agree yeah. with that, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So here's what I did. I looked up on Google while we were on the air, um, uh, best players to not be in the Football Hall of Fame. And I clicked on the top response on Google. Problem was, the article was from 2012. Oh, come on, Luke. Come on. (laughs) And I didn't know it. I didn't know it. I didn't read it. So oh, when it is, came up and boring. I read all those fucking names, yeah. I was
0: like, "Oh, this is a wake God. up call for fake news, Luke." Uh, no, people said I was dead wrong for not correcting you, and I and I didn't even think of it. I trusted you. Luke. I trusted you, right? You know hey, what I listen, mean?
1: listen. We'll never claim to be perfect on this show, but how many podcasts, shows, anywhere have a built-in segment where we get on our hands and knees and say, "Thank you, sir. Yeah. May I please have another?"
0: Like Death Cab, Luke, I'll follow you into the dark. And I did. And the darkness continues where Luke had mentioned that Marcus Levasseur was undefeated in Division Two and just one of three collegiate wrestlers. To do that, unfortunately, Luke, Marcus it was Levasseur D3. competed in D3. He went 155-0 and at Augsburg University. He was a four-time NCAA champion. He had a 141-match win streak heading into college. And he joined that rare company you mentioned, Kel Sanderson, Joey Davis, of having gone undefeated Joey Davis at Notre Dame College. And, of course, we know the great Kale. Luke, you were dead wrong, but, you know, that's fine. That's
1: fine. Okay, Uh, that one I was wrong about. I thought it was D2, but it was D3. Still pretty impressive. The one thing I will say is um, LeVessor kind of bottomed out in MMA, and I don't know how well Kale would have done. He did a little bit of training in MMA with, like, Randy Couture and shit, but I still maintain I don't know how good Joey Davis is going to be. But he does appear to be very, very talented. So I'll take the L on that one as well. Not quite as bad. But, uh, you know, hey, that's what this segment's all about, BC. You got to sit here and suck the horn.
0: All right. Uh, Speaking of that, every Monday, of course, we do DMs from Donks. And when the animation hits, I like to hit you with the nay. Only, Luke, I'm dead wrong. That's a freaking horse sound. Everyone knows donkeys go hee-haw, hee-haw. And the producers have written in here, and shame on you, Jay, for adding a donkey noise to every segment and never correcting Big Beige. Is it petty? Absolutely, but that's what happens when you give us this
1: opportunity. Love the show, guys. Can, well, can that I be honest?
0: i am sorry—that's not a producer. That's the guy who wrote, wrote in the comment to say that we're dead wrong. All right, yeah.
1: I never knew if you were making a noise or just routinely stroking out. I had always just assumed the latter. Do you it's think good I had I a gable grip? Under animal the... sounds wrong.
0: Did you think I had a gable grip going underneath the camera? I mean, what's going on here, Luke? Uh, let's move on. I'll take another L. I referenced uh, this pat last Friday that Paul Felder was the damn Irish Dragon, Luke. Turns out he's he is Irish, but he's the Red Dragon, not to be confused with mm, the husk. That's not that true. He's...
1: Hold on, he's the Irish Dragon. So, uh, so my our producers are dead wrong. You are correct. He's the Irish. No, no, no. You were right. He is the Irish. He's not the Red Dragon. Rory McDonald
0: the... is the Red Dragon. Come he's on. He's the red
1: He's no, no. He's the Red King.
0: You're okay. So I'm dead wrong for that. Whoever put it this comment is dead wrong and our producers are dead wrong for not fact-checking. Oh god. Wow, they
1: I'm... tried They tried to get you BC and I got, I, I no, no. I wasn't allowing it. Fuck that.
0: They're like, here, sit on this cactus, take the L. I'm like, yeah, I'll willingly do it, all right? You know, you're a man now. All right, that's great. Also, Luke, the biggest L I'll take this week is I made multiple references in the past two weeks. R.I.P. Web Scream. Where is this guy who used to create great content for us, used to slide in, be our biggest supporter? At one time, I thought he was going to try to join our team. We love this man, Luke. He's the Greek voice of Waze, and he's an Italian hero. Uh, apparently I said people are coming for his throne and he's doing nothing about it. Luke, what I forgot is he has been filling my DMs with great material. I just haven't been seizing it and putting it up there. So, Web Scream, Christos Christophoros, the great Greek god of thunder and graphics. I do say I'm sorry. Here's Web Scream's latest creation, Luke, as a little bonus fan submission for the moment. Uh, check it out there. A little, little shining,
1: Luke. You like that? I like how we're holding hands, BC. It's very uh, true to form.
0: The Great Web Scream is still alive and well. Sorry, Dickles, uh, Scott M. Rizzo, and all the other wannabes. Uh, the King's still the King, okay? That, that's the way that worked out there, Luke. All Very right. good. That is it. Uh, what do we got next? What do we got next, Luke?
1: I don't know. You're, you're, the, you're the host, fuckface. Hey,
0: all right. It's my, now's the Now on Sprockets is the time when we dance, Luke. All right. Um, here's what we're going to do. A little bit of homework segment. We still don't have a name for it, Luke, but I got to ask you a question. What is art? Are we art? Is art art. This week's art homework assignment, <laughs> Luke, was the 2013 album from acclaimed guitarist and songwriter Jason Isbell. It's called Southeastern. You may remember him from his time as the third guitarist and the lead guitarist with the Drive-By Truckers. This was his third solo effort and by far the most, uh, the most poignant, uh, deep, mature effort he has put out there. Luke, I will give you the floor because you were the visiting team. You took this ch- the Pepsi Challenge. Your thoughts on this piece of art?
1: Yeah, this was an interesting one for me because, as you know, we are both uh, fans of the drive-by truckers. I've seen them in concert. It was quite an experience. I've seen them in concert a couple times, actually, and um, I saw them once at the, 930, the- uh, 930 Club and once at, like, a pavilion in Norfolk or Virginia Beach. I can't remember, but... Um, I like him a lot, and so I will say this. I'm probably not going to give this album as high a number as maybe I should, but that doesn't mean I don't have good reverence for it. So I actually looked up the story of this album. Um, This is basically the first album, the solo album that he has, I should say, where he had finally gone to rehab and gotten out. But the story of the album is not about being at the bottom of a uh, bottle. In fact, it's the opposite, because... Once you're there, there's nowhere else to go, and it's kind of a story that's been told. This is about, you've actually kind of reclaimed a lot of your life, but it's about the human struggles about maintaining the ordinariness of that and not falling back into your, uh, the pits of despair and sort of making amends with the world that you hurt and um, trying to re- recapture love or at least maintain the love that you still have with people. Well
0: done, Luke. Well done yeah. here.
1: yeah. And so for those reasons, and because I, I already take him seriously as a musician, I, um, I, I'm automatically going to like it. The only thing you have to understand is, for me, I have to be at a place in my life to be fully receptive to this kind of music. I can't, like, you're in a place where you can play this, you can just turn it on and go. Yeah, I'm not there. I'm not there right now. Right, right. I, I've been in places, like, for example, where I could listen to the Avid Brothers like old Avid brothers, like the girl from Argentina and all this kind of stuff. I could just listen to it on repeat forever. And I'm not currently there emotionally, dude. I know it sounds kind of weird, but uh, it's true. And you might be like, if
0: if you ask me right now and you may do it next week for all I know to listen to some like thrash metal, I get what you're saying. I can't go zero to 60 right into it I um, like it's me getting into prog rock this quarantine, Luke. I never could be listening to Genesis and Emerson, Lake and Palmer if I didn't ease into it and start going, you know, crawling up the mountain, so to speak. I get there's well, you know, there's go ahead. And
1: even that, I'm not even listening. To, I'm not even listening to metal right now. I've been listening to like tons of uh, of hip hop, of of uh, of Vinnie Paz and Army of the Pharaohs and Reef the Lost Cause and self titled and Apathy and all that kind of stuff. That's what I've been really heavy into the last couple of weeks, so it was, a, it was a really hard switch for me to make. But that being said, I did make some notes on top of the research I had done, and I will tell you which one stood out to me. Cover Me Up, I, I really enjoyed. Elephant, I liked. But I thought that the signature achievement on this album was Live Oak, especially because it starts acapella. Yeah. And he talks, uh, the lyrics I have here, hold on, I want to read it real quick, because I have it. It is, um, it is, uh, hold on, where, uh, there is one part here where it's just really quite incredible. That is some what, dark
0: and lonely storytelling
1: about addiction, Luke, and the uh,
0: the two yes, lives that you live when you're an addict. you know what I mean? The the, the yeah, dark one and the public one?
1: It starts out acapella, and he goes, there's a man who walks besides me. He is who I used to be. I wonder if she sees him and confuses him with me. I mean, this is what I'm talking about in, you've already reclaimed some degree of sobriety and normalcy, but that is an ongoing Difficult and really hard to capture, kind of process. So what I will say, BC, is artistically, I, 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 can, I will never ever say anything bad. I don't know that I got as much enjoyment out of this as maybe I should have because of the place I'm in. So I'm going to give it a solid eight. Um, okay, okay, That's you
0: respectful. could
1: easily, easily go much, much higher. And I think if I was in a different place, I could probably go a lot higher. But I'm going to give it a solid 8 for those reasons.
0: Well, look, if you were a DBT fan, you always sort of knew that this guy was the best songwriter of the three guys that did. But he wrote the least. He was like the George Harrison to the Lennon McCartney. He wrote Outfit, which was a classic. Wrote Decoration Day. Wrote a few ones. Uh, his first couple of solo albums were good. They were like alternative country and roots rock. And it was good. This is great. This is a modern classic in the in the genre of like Americana Um, Not necessarily all country, more pure country and and rock. I mean, this is a classic because it's so freaking deep, Luke. And I go point of reference right to Elephant. I think that's one of the greatest songs ever written. And what's crazy is so much of this album is about real life experience like you're mentioning. He had hit like rock bottom with uh, whiskey addiction and alcoholism. And come all the way back, and he married Amanda Shires, who is, a, you know, a, a, an accomplished musician and fiddle player in her own right. And you know, she helped clean him up, and he came around. And all those, a lot of these songs echo that. Elephant is not about that. It's actually a made-up story about being by somebody's side as they go through cancer. Luke, I cried the first time I heard the song. It was just mm. so freaking real and heart-wrenching and raw. It's not only written beautifully, it's performed with so much uh, authenticity, even though it's, again, a made-up story, which is wild to me because uh, this is one of those where, you know, Isbol f around and, and he got a triple-double. This is a perfect, amazing song. I mean, look, there's so many lines that even I get goosebumps just hearing him. You know, if I would have effed her before she got sick, I'd never hear the end of it. I mean, you know, and the whole idea of being by someone's side who's dying is the elephant in the room and trying your best to avoid it. Uh, there are some incredible live editions of this song. There are so many great ones. I think the single, though, Luke, the single, the most commercial song on this album Did you catch, Stockholm, track two, in yeah, which his wife, Stockholm's Amanda good. Shires, sings along with him. It's very good. Um, really, Luke, I think the most underrated song, it's the second-to-last one, it's called Yvette. Did you hit that at all, Yvette?
1: I, I, mean, I played all of them. That one does not stand out to me. But All
0: right, if you—if anyone wants to revisit that, that is a chilling and intoxicating story, basically first person about a teenage kid looking through the window of his neighbor and watching the teenage girl in there get abused and beaten by her dad and him picking up his shotgun and deciding and coming to terms with the idea that he may have to shoot the father to save her which is wild luke but it's got an an amazing slide bluesy uh guitar riff that the song is built on and it is just some powerful shit. i will say sadly luke i've seen bull in concert solo since this album and he is damn good I don't think the two albums that follow this one are even as close to as good as this one, like not even in the same ballpark. I like what he's trying to do now, but I, but this was his mountaintop. I don't think he can repeat it. In terms of modern albums, it's a classic. I'm going to give it nine and a half. It is so close to mm. perfection in the end. Of course, this is these are genres that I live in. I'm very Americana roots rock. I love this type of shit. But Luke, there is a next level emotion in this piece. I mean, he doesn't sing these songs. He, he aches them. He drips them. And that's the kind of shit at 42 that gets me through the, through the day, Luke, okay? Yeah, what, it is, what it is, all right?
1: Fair enough. You got you to gotta stop listening to weepy music, though. It's a little too much.
0: How dare you? Luke, you don't know me, okay? You, you, you know, you, you'll find out in the documentary. By the way, who I we have to correct
1: is. the record, so I just got a text from our producer, one of our producers, for dead wrong. So yeah. the way that they wrote it to us to read on air was dead wrong. You had apparently said that Paul Felder was the red dragon and of course he is the oh. Irish dragon.
0: So I just reverse cross. I reverse sent myself to No, home. no, no. They wrote, wrote it.
1: They wrote it wrong so that yeah. you thought that like they were wrong, and they were wrong for writing it wrong. But you had a, you were the one who originally apparently had called it red, and in fact it's Irish.
0: Alright. Well, I mean at this point, Luke, whatever. Alright. What I mean? what 30% you
1: of people get into the uh, the uh, football hall of fame when I read their name. So you yeah, know it is you. what it is.
0: Hey Luke, it's time to touch them tips. Here's our tip. Of the week, whether we have a recommendation, a tip of for a second, just to see how it feels. Luke, do you want to go first? What do you got? What's your tip? Of the sure, week? I
1: will go first. Well, uh, the quarantine, uh, such as they exist, and many more apparently headed our way, which is a fun little reality we have to live through. Um, DC, uh, the, the place that I live in, has never been out of stage two, so we've just kind of been hovering in the same status we've been in for six months, and nothing has really changed. And so I've been really slowly investing in my home gym stuff, because I don't like going to the gym, even with a mask on. It's not that fun. I mean, I'll do it, but it's not that fun. That's and right. I want to invest in, in, in as much uh, uh, home stuff to be as self-sufficient as I can, because just, you know, yeah, there's a, it seems like, dude, I, I mean, I don't know how you feel, BC, whatever anyone's views on all this stuff, it does feel like 2021 might be a much better year than 2020, with the vaccine, and better treatment, and blah, blah, blah. So You know, I am optimistic about the long-term potential, but who the hell knows in the short run and how long that might last. Plus, dude, the quarantine wreaked havoc on my body. I lost all my gains, you know, eating fucking all the wrong shit. So I've been really in the last, you know, month or so trying to get back to a scenario where I can get back what what I need to. And I'm hoping second quarter 2021... We'll have a vaccine I could have already have taken. I'll be in much better shape, blah, blah, blah. But I bring all this up to say, if you're like me and you're looking for self-sufficiency, and you know, BC, in all areas of my life, I don't like relying on anybody. Here's a good including option. Your for you.
0: Including your co-host, Luke. <laughs> yeah,
1: including co-host, your new name. Yeah. Uh, I'll say this. I've been researching when is a good time to buy home gym equipment? And it's all going to be in short supply just by the nature of things. Here is what I have found out, because I didn't know this either, and I've been looking it up, and I've seen uh, several places that I trust. In fact, I know a guy who has his own uh, fitness company, and he confirmed this was true to me. The best time to buy equipment, whether it is bands, weights, barbells, kettlebells, whatever, mats, Black Friday. Black Friday is the best time to do it. And of course, as we all know, Black Friday BC has just bled into cyber monday all the way Wait, so is your that tip,
0: is your tip to get good deals on black friday is that actually your? T- i mean like it walk, is it is here's is what i'm no, 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 no,
1: oh, sorry i didn't i didn't explain this properly here's my understanding these gym companies these apparel companies they don't do sales hardly ever in fact they only really do sales on black friday so i get what you're saying yes black friday is the time for everyone to get anything my understanding though is Best Buy is going to have deals a month later. Uh, you know. You name it. Target's going to have deals two weeks later. Amazon's going to have deals all the time. But these fitness companies, Elite FTS, Rogue, whatever, it's a narrow window. And it's apparently Black Friday. That is the very best time at any point all year to get home gym equipment. So I'm going to be doing that. i got some things I'm looking to buy um if you're the kind of person who's been waiting to see like hey when can i get some of this stuff lower because dude the shit's expensive like a good barbell's th- three two three hundred bucks black friday i am told by everyone it's the only time the shit goes on sale that's when you got to do it
0: all right i'm down for that tip also if you're looking to catch a, a that fade or get a two-piece uh get depending on where you live you can catch that at black friday as well as the bottom of the food chain uh, appears. Not. I don't mean that in a poverty sense. I mean that in a crazy sense. Who are these people, Luke? I want nothing to do with public Black Friday, especially during COVID. My tip of the week is this, Luke. Look, if you're a married man and you love your wife and you love spending time with her, sometimes it can be hard to find a series, a TV show, something that you can share that meets in the middle of your interests. I want to watch action movies and fighting and music documentaries. My wife wants to watch Hallmark movies. Luke. it is what it is. We've all been sort of in this divide where you have a couple shows that you share, but if they're off like they are during the quarantine, you can be like, are we hanging out tonight? What are we doing? What's really happening here? Luke, I found an interesting show. It's certainly not my type of show, but I'm addicted. It was an ABC series from 2015 to 2018 called Quantico. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's now on Netflix. I've, all three I've seasons.
1: trained at Quantico.
0: Well, there we go. So the the center of it is a, it's an American thriller series about life in both FBI and CIA training and carrying out missions and government and political conspiracies and it is actually a pretty damn good action show with suspense and drama, but also does the relationship thing the the levity the the soft moments to offset the people getting shot in the forehead so it is somehow the perfect meet in the middle for my wife and I's TV interests and even though it's a bit over the top but look Luke you know how this is we're men we like action show we want we want commando we want you know mark for death we want action where people are getting sent to hell but our ladies like it where it's cleaned up to a certain degree you know what I mean where where it's yeah. like This is that. This is that. This is in the middle. So to do that, you got to be over the top. But um, it's a cliffhanger series with a constant whodunit where you suspect every single person in the show is the bad guy. And um, it's it's well done, Luke. Uh, You know, I like conspiracies, so this is... uh, this fits in well, you know what I'm saying? Well, it's true.
1: made by network television, which is usually my sign that it's probably shit. So I will not be watching it.
0: Well, it won't be the kind that you would love to watch alone, Luke. This is specifically a husband and wife type of deal where it fits uh. fits all. The- Luke, and you know what I'm talking about? Because I mean, your wife's different. She goes. She met you at a gun club. She goes to cannibal concerts, even though she's a fantastic lady. Um, I will say though, Luke, that you know, for some people, it's like. The, the damn wife just wants to watch the the house hunters or the or the uh, hallmark. We don't want that shit. We need something, Luke, and we need a bridge in the middle, okay?
1: My wife like, just made us watch a uh a murder documentary on Netflix, but it was in Argentina, so I had to listen to the you know you know uh, for fucking three days in a row that was that was great.
0: I mean, look, all all my wife wants to watch is Christmas movies starring, like, Candace Cameron and A.C. Slater. You know what I mean? My my wife watches
1: those, too, but it's kind of like background noise.
0: Yeah, I'll put that time in, okay? But I'd rather watch some action with some government shit. All right, that's that, Luke. Uh, I did want to shout out uh, everybody for the kind words of the debut last night of uh, NBC's Rig City USA on the NBC Sports Network. It's competitive 50-50 fights. It turned out well. It was a fun production with... Sean Porter, Bob Papa, Kern Bautier and company, uh, in Freddie Roach's gym in the parking lot, Luke, which was wild because it's tight back there. There was a hotel on one side, a apartment building on the other that people were literally just watching out of their windows, like holding babies in their arms. It was an interesting experience altogether. I loved it.
1: Well, it looked pretty good on TV. I'll say that. It looked pretty good on TV, except for those gloves you were wearing, OJ. So How is so, Kato Kalen's guest house?
0: Look, the COVID... Uh, protocol was through the roof you know we had security guards on the floors they all the food we ate they they gave to us uh you know it was it was tight luke but they they mandated them things and i don't know if you saw they gave sean porter uh uh pink surgical gloves he replaced them with like black motorcycle gloves and i went rogue and took my mask off during one uh close-up because come on you know we're all tested here luke come on right can i deliver this stand up please do i need the mask what is this it looked pretty good they look pretty good. All right, that, that's all you're going to say. Thank you. Thank you to people. Thank you. Uh, Luke, do we have anything else to plug, sell? Uh, catch uh, I will do
1: my live chat today at around 4. So be on the lookout for that. I apologize for the delay, but I will get it done. And uh, we'll use that to send people off into the weekend. And, BC, I'm pretty sure this is true. I've got to verify, I'm, but I'm confident in saying I think there's going to be a post-fight show live after UFC 255 Ooh. right here on Morning Combat. I'm going to go Ooh. live typically um,
0: people can go to cbs sports hq right after the fights but if you're saying go live on the youtubes this is yep. big business here
1: this is big business i, I, I want to see if we can get a thing going here with cbs and help us understand you know maybe not for fight nights or whatever but for the pay-per-view that happens once a month or so we need to be going live after that so at least for saturday i think that's in play
0: all right we're going to continue to uh fill your extra palette with uh not only the bonus stuff we do, maybe Brosected Sected will come back. Uh, Rafe and Rashad are always lingering, but the interviews, Luke. I did a nice one with uh, Francis Ngannou yesterday, so look oh, forward to He's sharing actually that. a pretty
1: good interview for a guy where English is a second language.
0: Very good interview, especially when you talk life stuff and, you know, the inspirational journey he's had and his, like... African Foundation, like, you know, he's a good, good-ass good dude, Luke. He also sends people to hell, and I try to get him fired up at the idea of, forget the damn title. You got to bang with Rumble, brother, okay? Let's bang. This is what we really need to see, Luke. All right? Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh, next week, we got some big guests in the short week. Uh, look, Danny Garcia, Errol Spence, a lot of big stuff coming to this show, Luke. All right? A lot more names than that. Luke, uh, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. All right? I'm done. I'm done hosting this week.
1: All right uh so thanks to showtime thanks to malka thanks to that money dunkin donuts internet you've been using over there in uh la you can follow us on social there let's see what else we got uh, MorningCombat at gmail.com for fan submissions for all the things we got wrong right uh merch uh, by the way i don't know if there's any i don't know if there's any uh you know black friday sales on merch i think that shit just the price stays the same bro Store.show.com.
0: I'll look into that. You know, international shipping, apparently not on the radar at the moment, Luke, but uh, we'll get into that, all right? Oh, I did want to shout out something. We'll probably talk more about it next week, but Luke, there's a Hector Camacho doc coming out on Showtime, and I was able to screen it. Woo! How did you get a
1: fucking screener and I didn't?
0: Look, I got connections, all right? I got connections. Thank you. (laughs) You can have your producer credit and your IP, all right? I got connections. I'll let let those go, okay? Uh,
1: All right. Well, with that in mind, uh, you want to try Showtime. To see the the Camacho documentary, uh, Showtime.com, 30-day free trial. Brian, safe flights uh, back to the beast coast, the east coast, where you are adored and missed. Be safe, and uh, don't get COVID, okay?
0: Thank you. Thank you. All right, for everybody else out there,
1: Brian Brian Campbell, Luke Thomas, thanks to Showtime, thanks to Malka. May all your gains be loyal.